Little known fact about me is all my life I wanted to be a lawyer. And so I'm going to apply some of the lessons that I learned in that pursuit to the existence of Jesus Christ and Christianity in an effort to hopefully get you guys to just open up your mind to the possibility a little bit. We're going to get doing that in this episode right now. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Screw Up Chronicles. I am your host, Robbie Millar. If you're new to the Screw Up Chronicles podcast, it's very, very simple. This podcast was designed to share our experiences in our walk in faith and Christianity. And if you haven't listened to the Chronicles that we have had in the past, please go back and listen to those because the whole idea is that this was created for you so that you could understand that there's people out there like you who have questions and who have maybe been mistreated by the church or who have had a bad experience in church. The whole idea is that you are not alone. The other part of the Screw Up Chronicles is to reach out to those people who have questions and answer those questions for them in the best possible way. If you're new to the podcast, um, there is no charge for this podcast. You will hear no advertisements on the podcast. You will hear no um, any kind of promotion from me whatsoever. The only thing that I ask is that if you get something from this podcast, if it helps you in any way, that you share this podcast with somebody who you think it may also help. The only other thing I ask is that if it doesn't help you in some way, that you, well, sorry for wasting your time. That's really all it comes down to. Uh, Please like and share this podcast if you got something out of it. That's all that I ask. If you have not subscribed to us on YouTube yet, Check us out there too. We do uh, some exclusive content on YouTube as well as exclusive content here on the podcast. Um, Just another avenue to kind of get that information out there. That's all it's for. Okay. Lastly, the last little housekeeping item, guys, we are up over 100 subscribers on the podcast. Thank you guys so much. I cannot tell you how appreciative I am of that. On our YouTube channel, we are up to... I don't know, 15 subscribers or so, but we have over 100 uh, views already on on YouTube, and it's pretty new over there. So thank you guys for sharing that as well. I cannot thank you guys enough. Without you, there's no point in me doing this. So keep sharing it. Keep liking it. Do exactly what you're doing. So short story about me. I always wanted to be a lawyer. I always, well, the main reason I wanted to be a lawyer, to be completely honest with you, is that I was always very good at arguing. And I thought that if I'm good at arguing, I could use that in some way, shape, or form. <coughs> Excuse me, man, that hurt. And so the idea was born that I would become a lawyer. Well, Apparently, uh, God had different plans for me, and I ended up joining the military, and I ended up having children and getting and having kids, excuse me, and I was never able to go down that road. I had looked into it, um, and it's never too late, so don't think that it's ever too late, but for me, it might be just, it's a, it's a dream that has passed, and I have moved on to other things, but that pursuit has kind of shaped my way of thinking in how I approach arguments or how I approach not like arguments with my spouse. Cause 
we all know she just wins. But how I approach discussion and analytics and how I, you know, decipher when somebody may be telling me the truth or somebody may be, you know, giving me a story. And, and it is in this way that really my opinion on religion and my opinion on Christianity and faith kind of started to change. Um, you guys heard in my chronicle, you know, the first episode of this podcast when I talked to my pastor, who is now my pastor, and posed some questions to him. And and he was very much evidentiary to me. He, you know, gave me some things to take a look at. And one of the things that I looked at was a book called The Case for Christ. And that is not a plug, but um, it's a very, very good book. If you're ever wondering where you should start, that's not a bad place to start. But he gave me evidence to, to look into, you know, um, and I don't know if that was by accident or if it's because him and I are very, very similar. So we're going to do that just a little bit here on the podcast, because this can go on for a very, very, very long time if I were to present all the evidence, but I want to present two key areas of evidence. Um, the first is eyewitness accounts, which in all, for all intents and purposes are really the strongest, um, single point of evidence in any case. If you are in trial and you have no other evidence that clearly points to, to, you know, somebody being guilty or innocent, uh, eyewitness accounts will be the thing that tips the scale in your favor, whatever your favor may be. Because eyewitness accounts, for all intents and purposes, are essentially a replay of the actual event. So eyewitness accounts are, are very, very important in the evidence evidentiary process and considered, like I said, the strongest piece of evidence. So the question becomes then, is there eyewitness accounts for the existence of Jesus Christ? And the reason that I want to start with the existence of Jesus Christ is because that's the basis of Christianity, right? The basis is that we believe that Jesus existed and Jesus was, was crucified and Jesus was resurrected, right? That's the basis of our religion. So we need to prove those three things, right? So the first is that, you know, was Jesus alive, which... You know, the Bible clearly says Jesus was alive. Um, but let's get to the eyewitness accounts of the resurrection. So if you guys do not know, the four Gospels of the New Testament are Math, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, the interesting thing about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John is that they're all different people, right? So, but two of them, well, three of them were actual eyewitnesses. Two of them actually walked with Jesus Christ. One of them was a teenager when he was when Jesus was uh, alive and on this earth. And then the the last one, Luke, was not um, an actual follower of Jesus Christ. However, he was a disciple of Paul, who Paul was a follower of Jesus Christ. So these are eyewitness accounts of people who actually were there. So Matthew was a tax collector, which at that time was like the, the most looked down on uh, job, according to you know the, the Bible. Basically, everybody hate uh, tax collectors. But the cool information about, about him is that being a tax collector, he was well-written, well-spoken, well and he could actually write in multiple different languages, including Greek. Uh, Mark... Mark was the teenager. So Mark 
was young when Jesus was on earth. And it was in, in the Bible, it talks about how Mark's home, his mother's home, his mom was a follower of Jesus Christ, excuse me, and their home was often used for a meeting place for the other disciples. So although Mark wasn't necessarily walking with Jesus Christ, he was around him and he was alive at the time that Jesus was around. And he would have had firsthand knowledge also of, of what happened with that. Like I said, Luke was not actually alive when Jesus was alive. Um, he wrote his his information based on eyewitness accounts, uh, people that he interviewed about about Jesus Christ. And the, one of the main ones is is Paul, the Apostle Paul, who if you don't know that story, you should really look into it. He actually, uh, Paul was actually, um, he actually used to persecute Christians, in fact, murder Christians, and there's a pretty good story in there about him as well. And then the last one, John, John was actually a disciple of Jesus, uh, served as one of the apostles. Um, his book was probably written last um, because he includes some things in his book that appear that the other three had left out. So he he includes some extra details in there that that maybe other the other ones have left out. So there's four complete different books of the same account. And oftentimes this is where people get hung up. You know, they say things like, well, if all four of them are the same, then why are there so many differences in there? And that's a very good question, right? So if these are eyewitnesses and they all saw the same events happen, why are they described differently? Okay. They talk about Jesus, you know, the miracles that he performed. Um, you know, some people say that, you know, it was two blind men. One, you know, one of them says it was one blind man, et cetera, et cetera. If they were all there, why the differences? And the truth is, is that, well, number one, we don't know for a hundred percent certainty, but we can definitely say a couple things about it. The first thing is that um, there's a thing called collusion. And if you're not, you don't know what collusion is, it's basically when people get together and before they're interviewed, they come up with a story and, and the story is exactly the same. If you basically ever had four eyewitnesses give you the same exact testimony in court, then the opposite, the opposing lawyer would try to have that information thrown out as collusion because we know that when giving an account, even if there's four eyewitnesses there, the accounts will not be 100% the same. Couple reasons for that. One, perspective, right? Some people will be literally in different positions when it happens. So they may have only seen one guy when there was two. They may have seen a black coat when it was blue because the light was the lighting was different. They may have seen a guy that was six foot tall because they're five foot five, but a guy that's six five might have seen a guy that was five foot ten, right? So the information, the details will be different, but the core of the story will be the same. If all of them were exactly the same, then they would start to wonder whether they were actually eyewitness accounts. And then the other part is, like I said, perspective, you know, people do not see the same thing and people only share the information that they perceive as being important, right? Now, when you're getting interviewed by the police, they will ask you specific 
questions. They will ask you, how tall was he? What was his hair color? Uh, what bank did he rob, right? But when they were writing the Gospels, they did not have people asking them specific questions. So they were only sharing the information that they considered to be pertinent information. Well, based on their position in life, you may see it as imper- pertinent or important, and I may not. So you may include it, I might include it, but your emphasis on being more accurate will be higher, while mine might be, yeah, he saved some people. He made some people not blind. That's cool. Cool story, bro. So we have here four separate eyewitnesses with with corroborating testimony about the life of Jesus Christ and his resurrection uh, and his crucifixion and his resurrection. And again, I can't stress enough These were eyewitnesses. Three out of the four of these people were there when it happened. And then they wrote it down when they could. Or they shared the story. They shared the story through oral tradition. And then the oral tradition was written down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the Bible has eyewitnesses. Christianity has eyewitnesses, which we established at the beginning of this podcast was one of the most important pieces of evidence. The next piece of evidence that I want to examine is the documentary evidence. And this is the one that I get super, super geeked out about. I kind of shared it a little bit in a YouTube video, Um, but it talks about, I want to talk about where the documents of the Bible come from. And there, there's so much information on this out there, guys. I'm literally just going to give you kind of nuggets to think about. And then I want you to go out and explore the information for yourself. But number one is this. So when we vet historical documents, there are certain criteria that must be met, okay? Um, and, and the criteria differs, but a lot of the criteria lies on this, right? One is how many of those documents are in existence, how close those documents were written to the actual events that they claim to have been documenting, Okay. It's the easiest way for me to describe it. So here's the interesting thing. Like the Bible itself, the New Testament, we have an astronomical amount of literature for the New Testament. I want to share a couple things with you. So you guys know the philosopher Plato. Hopefully, I'm sure you've read about Plato in the history books. In the history books that you're taught in school, Of all the manuscripts that we have of Plato, the total sum comes to 30. We have 30 of Plato's writings that we consider to be historical documents. Homer's Iliad, the Greek manuscript, essentially the the Bible of the Greeks, uh, uh, the best way to put it, which we consider to be a historically accurate document. We have 650 manuscripts of Homer's Iliad. The Jewish War by a historian by the name of Josephus, which we believe to be historically accurate and that it actually existed, there are nine total manuscripts of. How many manuscripts are there of the New Testament Bible? The answer... 24,000 
We have 24,000 manuscripts of the New Testament. There's 5,664 to be precise in Greek. There's 8,000 to 10,000 in Latin. And there's an 8,000 more in Ethiopic, Ethiopic, Slavic, and Armenian. 24,000 manuscripts of the New Testament Bible. We have more historically dated manuscripts of the New Testament than we do basically any other uh, early historic documents. 24,000 of them. Why, if we have 24,000 of the book, do we consider it to be inaccurate? Now, here's the thing I want you to consider about those 24,000 manuscripts. That means they were, they were distributed all over the world in multiple different languages. I want you to think for a second how many manuscripts there are that contradict the Bible. How many documents have we found that say, no, that didn't happen. I was there. We, we killed Jesus, and that was that. I'll give you a second. The answer is zero. Why is that so interesting? Because when this happened, when Jesus was crucified and resurrected, the Romans put a rock in front of the tomb, an immovable rock. And that tomb was found by two women. Now, this is an interesting fact because women at the time were not even considered essentially humans. They were considered property. So we wrote a story in our book, in our Bible, about women finding the empty tomb of our Messiah, which is an embarrassing fact to Christianity. Then it was an embarrassing fact to Christianity. If we were making a fake story about how Jesus was resurrected, I promise you that book would have been written a little bit differently. It would not have been women that had found the tomb. However, it would have been prominent other people, males, that would have found the empty tomb. The Roman guards that were there were likely murdered because the tomb was empty. The Roman guards that were there didn't even dispute the fact that the tomb was empty. There is no historical dispute from these guards that the tomb was empty who were likely murdered because the tomb was emptied. Why were they likely murdered? Because the Romans probably believed that they allowed somebody in there to remove the body. I promise you, those guards would not allow anybody in there to remove that body, knowing that they would be murdered. Interesting fact, right? We have eyewitness accounts. We have documentary evidence. We have evidence that is embarrassing to, to Christianity at the time. And we have no counter documents to these documents. So why is it that we even dispute the fact that the, the Holy Bible is a 100% historical document? And the reason is, is because in there, there's stuff that's hard to believe, right? Miracles, 
things that you can't fathom yourself. God is a hard concept for some people to believe. I've talked about that in my uh, YouTube videos as well, but I need you to understand that first, before you can believe in God, before you can believe in Christianity or any religion for that matter, I think it's your duty to do the research into these things that we consider to be, you know, at least from our side, from the Christianity side, we consider to be fact. Do some research into those things. Look at the the documentation for the existence of Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you to believe in God yet. I'm not asking you to convert to Christianity. All I'm asking is that you look at the evidence for the existence and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And something's going to happen. So I talked about this in my chronicle. And one of the most profound things that was ever said to me was said to me by my pastor, Steve Bentley. He said, Robert... Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, right? If that is true, if Jesus is the truth, then all you have to do is look for the truth. And I know where it will lead you. And that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to look through the truth. Look for the truth. Do it with an open mind, but I'm asking you to look for the truth. Now, there's one thing I do want you to ignore, and it's not because it's damning to Christianity, but because, in my opinion, it's damning to human thinking. Please ignore any philosophical debate, especially about Christianity, but any philosophical. Philosophy is the most circular way of thinking I have ever, ever seen in my life, even more so than me wanting to be a lawyer, which were really circular. The reason they're good arguers is because they're circular. Philosophy is the same thing. Philosophy looks to explain things by explaining philosophy. It's the most asinine way to get an explanation of anything. So when you do this research, stay away from philosophy research and look for actual hard evidence. Look for the documentary evidence. Look into the Bible. Look at the eyewitness accounts. And I wish I could send you somewhere other than the Bible to find the eyewitness accounts, but I can't. The reason I can't isn't because there aren't any. It's because the ones that we have, we've included in the Bible. If we find any more, they'll probably get included in the Bible. There have been some documents that have been found to be dated too long. That was the other thing. I didn't even touch on that. That was one more thing. The documentary evidence, which I almost forgot about, crap, I can't believe I did that, was written down so close to the actual time that it happened. So close. So the gospels were written between 30 and 60 years after Jesus's death. Between 30 and 60 years, 30 and 90 years for the most part. So the information for all historical purposes and all historical vetting was very, very close to the actual time that it happened. Homer's Iliad was written a thousand years after the events happened. One thousand 
and we consider it to be historically accurate. So 30 to, 30 to 90 years or a thousand years? This really shouldn't even be a question, but I'm asking you, your challenge, if you will, is to go out, examine those two pieces of evidence for yourself, eyewitness accounts and the documentation. And then come back to me and let me know what you think. Comment on it. Shoot me an email, screwupchronicles at gmail.com. Um, hit me up on Facebook if you want. Let's We can talk about it on there as well. But just keep the mind open to the possibility. The key to this is you have to go into it with an open mind. You have to go into it with the idea that there is a possibility of something other than what we were taught in school. And if you do that, if you do that in an honest way, looking for the truth, much like my pastor told me, I know where it will lead you. Thank you guys so much for listening to me. I know this one got a little bit long. I was probably a little bit scattered. I had a really long day at work today. Um, but if you got something out of this, I asked at the beginning of the show, and I'm going to ask one more time, please do me a favor and share it with somebody that you know and somebody that you think will benefit from this information. I appreciate you guys so much. Keep doing what you're doing because you are absolutely killing it for me. And we're only helping more and more people as we do this. All right, guys, I will talk to you guys next time. Thank you again.